Um, I just realised, did we describe case studies as the holy grail of marketing content? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 195 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday the 9th of December. I hope you've had a great week and you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. I'm your host Ian Truscott. I'm a three-time CMO and trusted marketing advisor and in this weekly podcast I aim to share the marketing street knowledge that I hope will inspire your inner rockstar. With the help from chums I've met on my journey from sysadmin to CMO. Come say hello. You can find links to me and my guests in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com or on LinkedIn at Rockstar CMO. And we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. This week, Jeff Clark and I give thought leadership the one-hit wonder, Stevie Wonder and Wonderwall treatment. And Robert Rose is in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar sharing a classic cocktail and asks, what are you planning to stop? But first, <laughs> we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, the Rockstar CMO Studio with Jeff Clark, our resident strategy advisor, former Forrester Research Director. And this week, we both have tips for creating thought leadership. Come on into the studio. Thank you, mate. Nice to see you. How are you this week? Uh, fine. I'm fine. It's uh, <laughs> the beginning of December, you know, so everything mm. is very December-y around here. Yeah, yeah, it gets about cold, crisp. About yeah, yeah, we've yeah. we've had some cold, crisp, but today was miserable and rainy and uh, dark about two o'clock in the afternoon. or something ridiculous. So it just uh, it just feels very wintry at the moment. Very wintry. Don't think. you love it? <laughs> I do. I like no. I like the cold, crisp, and I like the our. You know, when it feels kind of. Alpini, I suppose, is the best analogy I can make. Uh, we had like a little Christmas market in our town the other day. It was absolutely freezing, and but bright blue sky and it was just perfect. It was lovely. But and then as yeah. it got as it got dark, Christmas lights, all that stuff, really nice. But when it's just cold yeah. and miserable and grey, I'm not feeling that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so they've done the put weather. you in the mood for. Uh, I was going to say, put you in the mood for a hot chocolate or a whiskey oh, or yes. something. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Something to warm yeah. you up. <laughs> yes, a blue vine or something from my time in Munich. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. All right, so let's get on with the show. What? Um, uh, so after last week's conversation, we talked about case studies. We talked about case studies as that was one of the rabbit holes we 
kind of skipped over the episode before when we were discussing the five content strategies for when robots write the content. So we had a conversation a few weeks ago for regular listeners, they already know this, but we had a conversation a few weeks ago that was about um, the kinds of content that we should focus on now that everybody's going to be using generative uh, AI to create their own content. And so last week we did case studies and this week I thought I'd pull a few of the other things we talked about in that conversation and then focus on those. Uh, so the other bits of content the robots can't do. And one of those primary ones is have an opinion, right? And do the thought leadership stuff told in our true brand voice. So that's where we're going to go. And it's great to say that your products are great. They have lots of features and benefits, but the story you tell is the differentiation all part of your content strategy. You need to take a position as we prepared in the, in the notes. <laughs> and I thought also, well, we thought uh, we're going to give it the one hit wonder, Stevie Wonder and Wonderwall treatment that we did last week. So if- it's a great trifecta. <laughs> so what say you, Jeff? <laughs> well, I, I um, you know, as as you've you've teed up, it's like, you know, the the AI, the bots can't really express an opinion that reflects your brand voice based on the research you've done into customer needs. I mean, there's obviously there's, there's ways that AI can help, you know, sort of like feed into that, but it's like, you know, you have to take the position. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to demonstrate, you know, what we often call the Holy grail of marketing content, thought leadership, uh, you know, there's a, there's an aspect of opinion in that, that is just, you know, it's like, you can't, you can't ask AI to create that. That's something that's got to come from the individuals within the company. Yeah. Um, I just realized, did we describe case studies as the holy grail of marketing content? <laughs> well, okay. Contrary to uh, the Bible, there are several holy grails. <laughs> well, also, I mean, the other thing about this is developing your brand voice and your thought of leadership position, even if you are going to get the robots to write it, you need to be getting that yeah. into the prompts right so they know how it is that you want the content to come out but we're going to assume we're not doing that right this is this is that how do we create thought leadership content cool so if we start off with the one hit wonder and just as a reminder for the game for last week is that this is something that people think is good but doesn't last so what's your one hit wonder of thought leadership well the uh, to me the um the thought leadership paper um and and you know certainly i don't know i've probably written a few of these uh uh as over my career um and you know oftentimes it's like you get the idea for a paper or presentation or something like that that demonstrates you know you've done the research in the customer's mind and it led you to an opinion on how to solve their problems voila yeah you've got something that that you know you can write out over four or five pages or more mm-hmm. um, to demonstrate your brilliance. But, um, you know, to me, these as, as an individual item, or even if you take that, that one paper and you kind of break it into some components to, you know, make a little bit of a mini campaign out of it, it's, you know, it can be great clickbait. It can be a good sales tool, but it's not part of a arc of a story mm-hmm. of your, of, about your brand. Um, it's not going to convince anyone you've taken a position that differentiates you unless you unless you really, you know, blow it out over right. a much larger piece of work, which we'll um, which we'll get. Yeah, to. Yeah, which when I initially saw this and it was said the thought leadership paper and this was your suggestion, I thought, whoa, we're going to we're going to throw away the thought leadership paper. But what you're saying is, is this is that 
exactly to the to the to the to the part of the show that we're at right the one hit wonder it's that one hit wonder thought leadership paper the one and done we haven't done we're not doing anything else with this we've just got this great idea and we just publish that and we do nothing else right is that is that's the thing isn't it that you're saying is is the one hit wonder yeah. That's my that's my yeah. that's my vote for one hit wonder of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that. So um so mine, I'll tee myself up, shall I? My one hit wonder for this is What's <laughs> what's yours even? <laughs> well anything is it's similar to yours actually, um and I hadn't realised this. It's anything based on buzzwords because of the buzz. So that's, you know, that's one expression. So anything based on the buzzwords because of the buzz, not some buzzwords. Absolutely. These things are going to stand the test of time or it's a new thing. We need to get involved. We need to have have a point of view on it. But if it's just because of the buzz rather than the value you actually offer and and doing that short term one and done thing, exactly to what you were saying. Um, And I think. I think we're often driven to respond to the zeitgeist or you know the proverbial CEOs in flight magazine. You know, they come in and they say, hey, what about tick face or what about this? This is yeah. the word of the year. We need to get on it or whatever it is. It's it's avoiding that, isn't it? It's just making sure that your thought leadership, it has a has a resonance beyond this particular piece of buzzword stuff. So that was my one hit wonder. Anything based on buzzwords because of the buzz. And I, I totally agree because the the one thing I may have mentioned on the show, but I just remember when we were at a company it was getting into the customers' experience <laughs> uh, zeitgeist of the time, you know. And I would say early yeah. into it, but yeah, still, yeah. it's like I remember going to analyst shows and seeing vendors, everything from ERP oh, to you know, uh, you know, call centers yeah. to to you know, platforms, you know. App- and they're all saying the same thing yeah. about customer experience. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, you're, you're missing, this is where you're missing the position, the opinion, the, you know, what are you saying about that that is actually going to differentiate yeah. you? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so. I, I had exactly the same experience. And it was with um, Forrester, actually. It was a, a Forrester event in London, a CX event. And it was, a, it was the most eclectic bunch of vendors you've ever met at an event. They, and yet everybody was saying that they, well, I mean, I think, lot of disciplines within an organization touch a customer experience so maybe it was a category that was wrongly defined but every but it was weird how people had the same like taglines and yet they were doing completely different things and just shows you how how much bullshit there is in taglines i suppose but that's what i I saw yeah and actually win poorly done uh, yeah and actually win win poorly actually my um i think my in my wonder wall i think i'm gonna make reference probably to the same instance that we're talking about there so yeah. that's that's our that's our one here wonder um so what's uh, your wonder uh, your stevie wonder so this is a timeless tip that like stevie wonder is a talent that stood the test of time what's yours well like stevie wonder um <laughs> you know you can string together hits and deep cuts you know into an album or a series of albums or a la you know a campaign, mm-hmm. you know, so I've always talked about how a campaign is targeted at a customer segment and focused on their unique customer needs. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you have to have a unique opinion that kind of carries through the arc of your campaign. Mm-hmm. And it's really this, this becomes an aspect of your unique value proposition. Mm-hmm. So the unique value proposition, you know, if you try to like think of it as a mathematical equation, you know, there's a, there's an opinion Plus a you know a, a benefit or value proposition plus your brand that yes. that that really helps 
build that story out. Yeah. And I've done a number of global campaigns that, you know, that, that try to differentiate the offerings based on this opinion and typically had a little bit of an attitude. You know, mm-hmm. we're like, we're, we're the stable web platform mm-hmm. where we can truly help you drive change. <laughs> you know, we understand the needs of the future marketing executives. So yeah. it's, um, and obviously you'd have to get into the deep dives to, to understand the opinions behind those, but it's, um, you know, it, and it's, it's gotta be authentic to the brand. So, you know, it rolls out across all your various channels and your various tactics. Mm. Um, so, um, so yeah, that, that, that's what changes the one hit wonder into something that, yeah. uh, Stevie Wonder would recognize. <laughs> yeah. With one, it's one, a concept album, but I think, um, yeah, I think we're, we're, um, very much on the same page on this one. I think, uh, mine is very similar. My, my Stevie Wonder. So mine was, um, doing the work to be authentic. So, and I know that authentic is a hackneyed expression right now, but it's very easy to express an opinion and, um, you know, and what a lot of people describe as thought leadership is like one of those things we just referred to a one and done white paper or blog post that, that expresses an opinion. The hard bit is telling the deeper story with proof points. So it's very similar to what you just said, only differently. And I, and one of the, one of the, a blog post I go back to quite frequently when I think about this. There's a there's a blog post called The Best Sales Deck Ever that was shared by Andy Raskin, and I'll include a link to it in the show notes, and maybe people might be familiar with it. And certainly if anybody who's ever spoken to me would be familiar with it because I really like that framework. And basically, um, it's it's a framework for a sales deck, but I think you can apply it to a lot of this stuff that we're talking about in that if you're going to do thought leadership, you need to identify the change in the, wo- change in the world. You need to identify where the winners and losers are going to be. You need to hint at the promised land, what it is that, that's actually going to be the benefit of this change or, or what you can. And then and then the magic gift. So what is it that you can do? What is it that how well you can help? So this is where you weave yourself into the story. And as you say, the proof points. Right. So it's all very well having a position on AI if um if you've got nothing that proves that you've got any capability in AI or any customers using it, then you can't, you shouldn't be telling that story. So I think what we've said is very similar to one another there. Yeah. Well, that's a great post that you're yeah. referring to. And it's like, if you think about a sales deck is, is really a microcosm yes. of your, your, the, that, that, that arc of a brand story. Yes. Um, so you know, yes, you can do those those five stages yeah. within a deck. Yeah. You know, with a with a little Q and A slide at the end, yeah. um, and a title slide at the beginning. <laughs> um, but but you know, you, the same thing is something because yeah. you're it's it's right. the similar communication you're trying to do across a campaign, yeah. um, covering all those things. But you get more more do space, you, more tools to sell, tell it. Do you know what I like about what you've connected there? So yeah, absolutely, and I think that's also the test about our brand messaging and thought leadership is can a sales guy say this without looking like a oh yeah absolutely looking like a cock is the way that i would put it but you know that you know, <laughs> yeah. it's all very well us marketers coming up with this highfalutin grand language and, and and predicting the state of the world when somebody's actually sitting in front of another human being and they say it does it sound authentic does it sound genuine does it sound you know reasonable or not like a cock is what i say but yes so i like that connection no, i didn't realize that but yes okay so that, so that's our um th- those are our stevie wonders so let's move on to our wonder walls so the wonder wall because as we discovered last week the true the and obviously this is wonder wall by oasis 
And apparently, according to the Gallaghers, it was written about an imaginary friend who's going to come and save you from yourself. So what advice would you give, would come from an imaginary friend who's going to save us from ourselves here, Jeff? Well, I think the, one of the things about creating the opinion is that it's it it can't be cooked up in in marketing alone, and and you can't you know as we kind of commented about some of the things you can't you know mimic somebody else's brand opinion, and you know you've got a competitor that's achieved success. So let's jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but oftentimes there's somebody, at least in my experience, there's often somebody in the executive team or maybe a couple people in the executive team. Mm-hmm that have, you know, a strong opinion about the way they're trying to position the company, the way they're trying to position the maybe a product line. Um, I often think about, you know, work. Uh, one time I ran product marketing and I was sitting in a product group and it was the VP of, of uh, the product line who just had a, you know, I mean, he, he, he had a gut feeling about how we needed to reposition um, a development platform. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, you start, you know, you start riding on that, on the coattails of that. And you could say, well, you know, how do I position that from a marketing perspective? How do I build a story? Mm-hmm. You know, this it actually was a case where we came up with a whole series of papers about different aspects of the story we were trying to tell. And so, um, and, and that person had an attitude, <laughs> which <laughs> good, bad, or, or different, but it's like it was something that kind of infuses the campaign mm-hmm. and the communication. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so this is where, you know, I'd say your imaginary friend might be somebody who's not sitting inside the marketing department that, that, that is helping to drive the company's mm-hmm. opinion and brand, uh, and, and just, and work with it, mm. see how you can work with that to turn it into something that is a marketing message and a sales message in addition, as well as just somebody's attitude no, and like, opinion i like, I really like it because this is a bit like what we just mentioned right which is that you need the sales guys to be or the sales team or the the customer facing folks to be on 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 board with this because they're going to be the ones to express it but the other thing can happen is that you also need the choir behind you the other executives and and so, to be able to express that or it might be that the opinion comes from them like if you've got a really yeah. charismatic ceo uh, why write bland, boring B2B bollocks, right? Why not lean into yeah. the fact that there's this guy with a fantastic opinion who everybody loves when they meet him. I've worked with CEOs like that. Then let's be that. Then let's not, let's not try and be too corporate. So I like, and that, that sounds like the story you were telling of this, this product guy, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You have to, you have to worry about when you've got somebody that you you need to corral <laughs> <laughs> because they, <laughs> they yeah. have a strong opinion, but... But if it does, if it doesn't work, as long as it's so not it offensive, can... and I, I do, yeah. I, and I, I think you're, I, but I, I, I'm not sure that being corporate, being too corporate, is a good winning strategy. I, and I, I, I've had that in the past where people have been a bit worried about letting a particular executive talk to an analyst, for example. And you think actually the other analyst is a human being too. This is a very charismatic, charming person. He has an opinion. Analysts love opinions. But then I've been in a situation where the analyst and the executive were arguing with each other and you thought, hmm, <laughs> this isn't going to come out well in the report. <laughs> so, that's, the, that's the corralling part. Yeah, exactly. So you're right. There has to be some tweaking on that. All right. So my Wonderwall, um, 
And you've already said this, actually. I wonder if you read ahead in the notes, and I think that's not fair. I didn't. It just <laughs> popped into my head. Sorry. No, well, I think that we use the word authentic all the time anyway. So mine was to be authentic and true to your brand. And what I mean by that is in marketing, we create one brand, but the real brand, of course, is what the customer says about us. And that comes from the experience the customer has. So when I'm saying be true to your brand, be true to that broader brand, not just who this week we've decided to be, you know, so. um, And we, we were both involved in this. I've had the experience of a thought leadership strategy driven by a CMO that talked about a hot trend aimed at other CMOs and aimed at we're selling. We're now selling to the CMO. We're now selling to executives. And uh, yeah, our customers knew us as a practical piece of software that was purchased by the practitioner or influenced by the practitioner or people that knew uh, who had the problem or cared about the problem that's trying to solve. It wasn't the CMO. It was people that wanted to get shit done, right? And um, and when this thought leadership position was presented in an event, I'm, I was sitting in the audience and it was just flying over the heads of all the people that were our community, were our people, right? And um, so I think you can lose people sometimes with your thought leadership and it has to be grounded. And And the problem is, is that isn't aspirational or grand. It's just genuine and real and authentic. And that might be the better place to be, I think, with your brand. Yeah, that, that, that I think, and obviously I, I know I know of what you were talking <laughs> and so... Um, the aspiration, mm. and then this is, we, I mean, we often mention this, is like the aspiration is yeah. to get the, this yeah. C-level executor, yeah. that C-level executor, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And, um, and it's often good to have a message for that high-level executive. But if you make that the target mm. and that aspiration is like 10 years down the road, then you're going to um, fall flat. Well, it's like well, every time we talk about messaging, isn't it? It's about understanding who the, I mean, in B2B, it's understanding who the group are that you're you're talking to and making sure you have a, a message for all of them. And so I think in the thought leadership, um, maybe the mistake there was that there was only one message. It was to the CMO. Whereas if we had, oh, here's how the, what this means for the technologist, this what it means for the practitioner, and all, then it may have gone over a little bit better in that instance, maybe. And the, I think the other thing that I want to pull out of that is that, um, and I think it plays to the other two things that we've already discussed, is that marketing can't be the only department to walk in the walk, right? So, And that's the true test of it, isn't it? Is, you know, if you ask somebody in the accounts team, what do you think of this message? And they go, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then maybe, you know, we might need to rethink that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. So that's um, that's worked again. I, don't, I, I mean, uh, we were discussing what we're going to discuss next week, so we may not do a one-hit wonder, Stevie Wonder and Wonderwall, but I think we should use this again, don't you? I think it's, it's I think it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll probably we'll probably type these up and put it into a blog post at some point, which obviously people will be able to find on our website, rockstarcmo.com. But let's close out with the tune. So you've selected the tune this week, Jeff. What are you going for? Well, you know, with, when we do this this format, Stevie Wonder seems to be the, <laughs> yeah, it's rude not uh, the to. obvious uh, something from his 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 catalog yeah. and and i was thinking about how you know he had a uh, an album mm-hmm. called fulfilling his first finale which was f- uh first or second of a series of albums where he kind of broke out from doing i mean doing kind of the decade of the hit parade where it was you know singles and and basically taking his direction from the record labels and saying you know now i'm actually going to have the the artistic constraints are off i'm going to have an opinion on mm. Uh, social issues. I'm going to have opinion topics. I'm going to talk about things, uh, and um, 
and he, he talked about the boogie non reggae woman, which yeah. I don't know, you know, it was, <laughs> is uh, is not a, not a lot of social commentary on yeah. it, but it is. It has a great line. It's like I like to see you boogie right across the floor, which I think is what we wish for the marketers yes. who are listening to. Well, this episode yes, very good thing to leave with them all right so i'll play out with boogie on reggae woman uh from stevie wonder and <laughs> it might be the old, is it the oldest track we've done like this? no we, we we have dipped into the 60s <laughs> particularly when we did when we did one hit wonders we dipped into the 60s a few times <laughs> all right well um that's well that's it and will, will you be in the studio next week will I? yeah see uh see good yeah well, i'll see you next week mate Cheers. I like to see you book right across the floor. I like to do it till you holler for more. I like to reggae, but you dance fast for me. Jeff, and that was a tiny snippet of Boogie on Reggae Woman from Stevie Wonder. In the age of generative AI, I think how we differentiate our content will be a challenge. There is no doubt that with the right prompt, synthesized content is as good as your regular B2B content. And opinion, case studies, and original research are the way to go. And I hope you found the last two conversations we had useful. Right, it's that time of the week to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join the chief troublemaker at the content advisory, Robert Rose, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the bar. It is... It is... It, we are nearing the end of the year. It is getting a little crazy out there. Uh-huh. Um, it seems like everybody wants to squeeze everything into Gee. this last week because they're looking at the way the calendar falls for Christmas and Hanukkah and all yeah. the holidays and going, yeah, we're kind of done. We're, kinda, we're, kinda, <laughs> we're, we're yeah. just kind of done. Yeah. So we need a drink, basically. <laughs> uh, I need a drink. Um, and in the full... Uh, and the you know one of my favorite drinks in the entire world um, is a Manhattan, mm-hmm. and so we're just going to keep it really simple this week. Um, we have a special drink next week, um, but um, but but this week we're going to keep it really simple uh, and make a basic Manhattan because you just need sometimes you just need something basic to you know to. Yes kick off your weekend um, <laughs> and so it's a it's a really simple manhattan which is mm-hmm. literally just you know two maybe three ounces of bourbon <laughs> you know just eh, you know choose your choose your yeah, choose your stemware or your glass size accordingly um, so then uh basically then one ounce a small amount mm-hmm. uh, I, what i find is is that very much like a martini, the, the the smaller amount of sweet vermouth, the better, which gives you more excuse to add more bourbon, quite yeah. frankly. But um, yeah, one ounce um, or one part sweet vermouth. Uh, and then, of course, uh, a little maraschino cherry. You got to have mm. a maraschino cherry for a great Manhattan. Yeah. And a little bitters, um, uh, basically, 
in, in there for you know just a splash, uh, and you are you are good to go with a Manhattan. Oh, that sounds lovely. I um, yeah, I know I used to make a gin and tonic on the show, but um, I've just run out of bourbon. <laughs> I love it. And you're making me thirst. I need to get get some more bourbon in. But yeah, at any particular bourbon, what's your favourite? You know, I have many favorite uh, <laughs> bourbons. I really do. I mean, I am not like uh, you know our our mutual friend uh, Joe Kalinowski. Oh who yeah, is a, who is yeah. a Jack Daniels fanatic and barely mm-hmm. drinks anything else but Jack Daniels. I am, uh, I am a, a a wide and far bourbon drinker. I would not call myself an aficionado of bourbon, mm-hmm. but I but I do like a number of them. My favorite currently um, on the more. Uh, smaller batch side would be a bourbon called Four Roses. Oh yeah, Do, you know, no, no, no relation and no, um, <laughs> uh, no, n- nothing there in the name other than the fact that it's a really great small batch bourbon that I nice. love. Um, the other one I love, which is much more commercial these days, is Bullet. I'm I'm a big fan of the Bullet. Oh nice. Um, as Bullet bourbon as well. So, um, those are my two favorites. I think right now. Very nice. Um, the um. I'm I'm just a regular Woodford guy, I think. But I um, uh, I, my go-to bourbon guy is uh, Jason Falls. Actually, chat to him about bourbon; he'll take you down a path. I think he's mentioned Four Roses to me in the past. So I think probably gets a vote from him too. But yes, um, okay. So we're drinking these lovely Manhattans, and I've shared that I'm out of bourbon. So anybody wants to contribute, they're very welcome. Um, <laughs> whereabouts are we going to drink these? You know, I think we need to find, you know, it is that time of year mm-hmm. um, where things are a little brisk and a little uh, and a little just a, just a, just this side of, you know, being too cold to really be outside. But <laughs> one of my favorite places um, is in New York City. Yeah, there are some restaurants um, that are right on Central Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this time of year, especially yeah. Um, before it gets wet and cold and snowy, mm. it is absolutely spectacular to walk through Central Park. So I think a walk through Central Park to one of these cafes that are mm. uh, bars, restaurants, whatever we end up uh, sort of hanging out at that has one of these places where you can sit right yeah. out on the sidewalk uh, yeah. and drink uh, a late afternoon because that's the perfect time to be in Central Park. Yeah. Late afternoon, three or four o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock maybe, eh, three or four is before sunset and then have some of these uh beautiful manhattans i love it i love it it might be a little chilly in new york this week i think but i don't know but yes I we're hard yeah i think and the weather's not great this weekend but you know we're, yes but we're, anyway you know this is the virtual bar after all so that's true it is the star trek holodeck so we're going to just make <laughs> a beautiful day here <laughs> i like that analogy because it started off all the years ago when we started this was it was a COVID thing and we were taking a virtual bar and that's why it's called the virtual bar because it was a COVID thing. But that the Star Trek holodeck, I need to change the whole theme of Rockstar CMO completely, but we're in the Star Trek holodeck. I like that. There so, it is. So we're in this New York City um, uh, bar overlooking Central Park and uh, conversation turns to marketing. What's your thought for this week, Robert? Well, you know, it's an it's an interesting observation that I'm making here at the end of the year, and, and mm-hmm. I mentioned how busy we were, um, and I think there's no doubt about it um, that AI, generative AI in particular, has taken the world by a storm, right? Mm-hmm. And 
The interesting thing that I'm, my observation uh, as we end this year is that as much as it's taken the world by a storm, <laughs> the, the actual implementation of it has not happened at all um, right. in most businesses. And the rationalization, excuse, whatever you want to say for these marketing organizations that haven't really taken the time to dig in, implement, integrate generative AI into their marketing workflow is, one, we have no idea. And we've talked about this on the show before. We have no yeah. idea how it, how it will actually work. And so there is work to be done there. But more importantly, it's we're too busy doing other stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's almost like that we're too busy to think about the new thing that might make us less busy. So we're going to be, we, you know, there's that weird sort of irony that we have with any new sort of approach or process or strategy or technology that enters into business, which is in many cases, businesses are just simply too busy doing their normal thing to actually even take the time to consider the new thing. Because yeah. it means either slowing down or stopping things. And that's what I want to talk about because we've, you know, what we've been really finding is that as we work with clients and we start to work with them and say, okay, let's think about this integration. Well, most of them are saying, eh, we'll think about that in the new year. We'll think about yeah, that yeah, in yeah. 24. We'll think about doing that in the new year. But how do we actually get ready and what do we start doing and what we have to remember is that marketing, unlike any other function in business, is really built on the idea of change. It is really the only business where the entire process changes or could change from quarter to quarter and year to year. I mean, imagine, for example, if finance, right? Our groups, our company's financial operational strategy. What if it changed from quarter to quarter, right? So mm. this quarter they're using, you know, GAP or what's generally accepted accounting principles. That's the core of how they operate in accounting and finance. And then the next 90 days, somebody goes, no, 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 you got to do this new thing, <laughs> which is International Finance Reporting Standards or IFRS, right? Yeah. And, and then the next quarter after that, they have to implement a new standard, which nobody's ever heard of. And it's this new thing and everybody's got to do it. Yeah. And Imagine how finance might be measured against their ability to change. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. And, but marketing, you know, why we get the big bucks, quote unquote, is because <laughs> we're built for that, right? We're yeah. built to be not necessarily following the right path, but it becomes how we can very quickly follow new direction as old paths become unsuccessful. And so... The intersection of those things, which is where we are right now at the end of 23 with this whole idea of AI, is where we are right now. Like, what do we need to do? Because mm -hmm. I sit in these client meetings and I talk to a business and I say, listen, we've done this wonderful work. We've whiteboarded. We're going to talk about this new thing called integrated AI. And then the heads start to nod and then the room <laughs> gets quiet and everybody starts to look up and goes, well... Yeah, but that means we're going to have to support the sales team with the stuff. We still have to publish those four newsletters every week. Oh, by the way, we still have to update the customer resource website. By the way, we still have to launch that new product next quarter. How are we going to fit in all the time that this integrated integration of AI mm -hmm. is going to take? And so the interesting business case isn't 
what we're seeing isn't basically saying, what are we going to, what new thing are we going to do? It's what yeah. old thing we're going to stop yeah. doing. Um, and that's the real key here is that we have to start thinking about all the business case for all the things that we're going to stop doing in order to make time, bandwidth, resources available mm -hmm. for this new thing that may or may not, by the way, give us <laughs> bandwidth to do more new things, right? The, the sort yeah. of overarching story of AI is that it's going to give you all these new um, efficiencies that you didn't have before, but we're not finding that actually. We're finding that mm -hmm. integration of AI actually adds new capabilities, which requires net new resources and time and bandwidth, mm -hmm. not necessarily making anything that much more efficient. So it's a new yeah. way of working, not basically a more efficient way of working. And so the net result of that is you've got to start the new year by saying, okay, what are we going to stop doing in order to do mm -hmm. this new thing? Mm -hmm. I love that. But isn't that so, I mean, that's always the way, isn't it? It's the, the old um, analogy of the CEO comes in to the marketing team with the, with the in-flight magazine and says, we need to do this, whatever the new thing is. And uh, at no point does anybody say, yeah, but what do you want us to stop? And it's, that's right. and it's exactly that. I mean, AI is a fundamentally different thing than, say, like, what's our snap face strategy or whatever it is. It's more than a yeah. new channel, isn't it? It's a new way of working. Yeah. So it's going to take some work. Yeah. And then and the, the, the reverse of that is also true. You know, mm -hmm. I was actually having this conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago, too, which is, you know, when we finish an engagement with a client, for example, and mm -hmm. we, you know, we, you know, when we're talking about workflow and governance and all the new processes mm -hmm. that are going to be put into place. And we propose that the marketing team or the content team or whoever it is that we're working with basically establish themselves to a headroom of 85% busy, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody goes, well, what are we going to do with that extra 15%? Mm -hmm. And I say, well, that's where you're going to do all this unexpected stuff for when the CEO comes in and lays the airline magazine down you know, <laughs> or when you want to do that new innovative project or when you want to do yeah, something yeah. different that you've not done before or have the headroom to be able to pivot when you need to pivot. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, we'll never get that approved. Like we can never propose that we're going to be 85% busy and have headroom. And it's like, fantastic. Then how can anybody expect you to change? Mm -hmm. If you if you can't get the fact that you're not going to be a hundred and one percent busy all the time, then there can be no expectation of change. Yeah, and, and so that it, one of those things has to give, and so it's it's an interesting challenge to be able to make the business case to say we're not only going to stop doing things to make us you know so busy that we're not doing everything we can well, we're going to make a stopping case that basically reduces us below 100% <laughs> utilization all of the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, it's, uh, and as the point you were making at the beginning, where our craft or our business discipline or whatever you want to call it is constantly changing, you, if you haven't got that time available to do that research and to think about the next thing and the planning, then you're going to fall, your marketing team are going to fall behind, right? Because they're going to miss out on, on whatever, you know, whatever, whatever their competitors are doing, right? When, when they hop on this stuff. Yeah, could, they could be, although their competitors are probably just as busy as, they <laughs> that's are true. as well. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty, you know, I mean, that's always the fear, right? Yeah. That's, you know, 
we, we look at our competitors and we go, ooh, they're working harder and faster than us. And it's like, yeah, they're probably, probably. just like you. <laughs> yeah. And especially when it comes to, like, where are they getting their messaging from, from your website? Where are you getting your messaging from, from their website? Well, that's exactly right. Yes, <laughs> so that's exactly right. They're looking at in, e- in each other's tail. As well lights. as the technology that you're adopting. I always yeah, find yeah. it funny when, when um, you know, when, 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 a, when a company goes, well, we want to buy technology, but we want to buy the tech, exactly the same technologies our competitors are using. So show us the use cases that are exactly of people in our industry. And it's like, really? Yeah. You want to buy exactly what they bought so that you're doing exactly what they're doing in the yeah. same problematic yeah. way? Okay, yeah. Yeah. fine. You know, But that's, I mean, that drives us back to the, your point about AI is that it requires some time and some thought and some investment so that you can do something differentiated from your competitors who are probably all just keying in the same prompts into chat GPT and slightly making their content production faster is what can this fundamentally do for your marketing team and change how you work, right? Or maybe it doesn't, but hey, have a think, think about it, right? That's it, right? Yeah. I mean, and but that's the way it's been for, I mean, <laughs> you and I both know this because we've been in technology for so long. Yeah. But the way that many marketing strategies are set, especially on the digital side of things, yeah. is we basically say, ah, let's look at the technology and have it tell us what we can do. And that sets our strategy rather than the other way around. Oh yeah. 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 And you know, and so it's like, oh, we're going to buy this technology because it gives us the capabilities of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And we, then we go, but, and that's what our strategy will be. And it's like, well, but we don't, you know, is that the right, is that the right things that we should be doing? Yeah. And in, in other words, instead of saying, Hey, let's figure out we, what you know what the roadmap of our mm-hmm. activities should be, and then figure out if there are technologies that we need to help us scale those activities. Rather, we just look at the technology and go, yeah, tell us what we should be doing every day. Yeah, that's so true. Especially with marketing automation, we've tried, in B two B anyway. We've we've let the tools decide what it is that we need to get done. But I think with the AI thing is, um, here's an opportunity now. If 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 you can trust generative AI to do a lot of your content production or your ideation or whatever it is that you're using it for, then you can spend more time on strategy. You can spend more time on thinking about these things, can't you? Um, if you could just get off the hamster wheel and just take a minute. Yeah. Well, you yeah. can spend more time doing things, right? Other <laughs> things, right? You know, dumb things, right? You could do, you could do experiments. You could do yeah. weird, yeah. new, innovative things, you know? Yeah. And it's like if you've got that bandwidth built into your yeah. process Give it a go. well then it becomes much easier to test these things yeah. now all of that assumes by the way that you you know you so many times the process is so ill-defined that <laughs> you just know that you're busy you don't know why or how yes. or what makes up yes. that busyness yes. you just know that you're just you know you're just <laughs> always busy yeah and that doesn't mean you're productive it just no. means you're busy yeah and we've all seen that i love it all right, that's splendid. So the uh, tip for this week is to look for things to stop doing in the new year by the sound of things, right? Indeed. <laughs> All right. And Start a stopping list. <laughs> so I know that you don't stop and you don't stop producing content for your website. Where are people going to find that? Uh, you know, you'll find it at contentadvisory.net, which is our content. lovely little consulting-focused site where we do create 
quite a bit of content. <laughs> um, and then you'll also find our new coaching and supplemental uh, materials for my new book, Content Marketing Strategy, and that's at contentmarketingstrategy.com. And so if you're interested in some of the materials and templates and things that we've actually used to mm-hmm. deliver better content strategies to our clients, those things are there and in context with the book, but also our coaching services where we can actually you can engage right online and and uh, and you know and get our time right from there. Splendid! And uh, this weekend you've got a big football game, right? We do have a big football game. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yes, this uh, this will be the this will be for first place in our division, um, uh-huh. which uh, for your audience probably doesn't mean much, but it's uh, against the it's the Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles, which is always a heated and hated uh, rivalry. <laughs> Uh, so it will be a very tense Sunday evening in my household. Yeah. No, I'm. Um, I think the majority of my listeners are American, actually. So uh, oh. yeah. So it's it's probably it, they're probably very relevant to them. Right. And well, and also already, last, then they're already unsubscribing because. I said <laughs> and then last <laughs> week, as you know, last week we themed the bar Dallas Cowboys theme. So that's right. No, <laughs> I no, I do, so yes, I do remember. <laughs> All right, mate. And most importantly to me, are you going to be in the bar next week? Of course. Celebrating, hopefully. I'll see you then. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, Robert. So maybe that's a different kind of resolution for 2024. But what are you going to stop to give yourself some headspace to think about what's next? It's an important time and could differentiate your market. So that's a wrap on episode 195 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks to Jeff and Robert for sharing their insights and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. You can find links to me, Jeff and Robert and their work in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com along with our blog, newsletter and all of our previous episodes. Please say hello to them or drop us a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, I have Jeff in the calendar to discuss the effectiveness of social media. And Robert will be back in the bar. Until then, have a great week. And I hope you can join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.